I also like to take this times for our tithes and offerings. And so you can do that by dropping it off at a basket in the back or texting the word AWAKENING to 77977 and it'll send you to secure easy way to do a one-time gift or to set up a reoccurring giving. But today's kind of a special day because we um, have one of our missionaries that we uh, support and we partner with. And, um, you know, as being a part of the Alliance, we're not just this church. We're a church that's connected more globally. And so we have over 700 missionaries in, seven, or in 70 different countries. And so this is a great opportunity for us as a church not to just be a part of ourselves, but we're a part of a much bigger vision. And we truly take to heart what God sa- or what Jesus says when he says, go out and make disciples. And so this is our way of doing that. And I would like to be able to invite uh, Matt Clayson up. He's one of our missionaries to be able to just kind of talk about some things. I know. He's still a little cold in California. I was born in Minnesota, but grew up in Africa, so. (laughs) Oh, so Matt, if you don't mind just um, sharing with us a little bit about, I know a lot of people here, Matt was here about a year ago, but um, is back today, he's visiting, um, he's close friends with Josh Axine, and so they're back visiting his whole family, and so just kind of share a little bit about where you're serving, your family, kind of how you ended up getting there and what you guys do there. Yeah, well, actually, we're not supposed to be here right now. We were supposed to go back to the Middle East in July, uh, but the country was closed because of COVID, uh, and so they closed all the way up through the end of September. You could, no, no one was allowed to come in from outside that wasn't Jordanian. Uh, and so uh, we wrestled with that and figured out when are we going to get back, didn't know what that was going to look like, and came to the end of that month and decided that for the sake of our family, it would be better to wait until January. Uh, so we do have tickets back to the Middle East on January 3rd. Uh, for those of you that don't know us, my wife Rachel is here. She wants to have a shout out. She said, would you like to stand up, Rachel? This. And uh, uh, my three, three of my daughters are here, Mia Bella, McKenna, and Matea. Uh, my oldest daughter, Marilyn, is in boarding school in Germany right now. Uh, and she, we, we shipped her over there on August 15th, and she's supposed to come back December 18th. So it's been four months without her. Uh, so that's been a bit of an adjustment for our family. Uh, but we have been in the Middle East now for the last 16 years. Uh, and we're looking forward to hopefully going back in just a little, little under a month now. That's great. So what um, ministry are you guys doing there? What work are you So we have been involved in a community center where we kind of reach out and find different ways to bless and serve the community around us. Uh, the primary way that we've done that is through our English program, uh, but we also have a medical clinic that we, do, uh, we offer free medical services to refugees largely. We've served over 20 different nationalities of people, of refugees that have come to our country uh, and need some medical help. And so we're able to offer that through our medical clinic. And then we have refugee programs in the South, particularly for Syrian refugees, because we've had so many of those come into our country uh, in the last really eight or nine years. Uh, And so we've adopted uh, 50 different families, around three or 400 different people that we visit regularly, take food packages to, uh, pray with, uh, bless, and and try to find ways to encourage them and help them kind of assimilate uh, into into life in our country. So that's kind of our primary ministry. Uh, As we go back, I'm gonna be transitioning into more of a regional role uh, and coaching uh, seven different teams uh, around the Europe Middle East region. Uh, and so we'll continue our work, especially with the underground church in, in Jordan, uh, but we'll also uh, have a kind of a larger regional world coaching teams around the region, helping them in kind of their church planting uh, strategies and plans. So with you going into this new role and stuff, what with the COVID journey and everything that we've been on, how has that changed ministry that you guys have been doing in the building? Yeah, so in Jordan, uh, they take COVID very, very seriously. Uh, in fact, when they first shut down in March, they did a kind of a mandatory military lockdown. So no one was allowed to leave their homes at all uh, for the first two weeks. Uh, in fact, Jordanians weren't sure if it was serious, and so they kind of tested the, uh, uh, the process to see if they would really get in trouble for leaving. In the first two days, they arrested 1,300 people uh, for breaking this military lockdown. And people figured out pretty quickly this was serious, uh, so they didn't do that anymore. Uh, it's gone up and down. Like I said, the country was closed for six months. And just like all of you here in the United States, it's kind of all over the world. We're all dealing with ever-changing rules, ever-changing regulations. Uh, when you're trying to establish a small church uh, and you know, all of a sudden the government issues a, 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 a law that says everything has to shut down, you can't gather in groups of more than 10, uh, everything, we all kind of scramble and figure out, well, what does that mean for us now? Um, so it's been a challenge. I think worldwide for Alliance Missionaries, as I'm connecting with even the teams that I'm coaching, uh, everyone is just kind of uh, 
uh, apprehensive and uh, uncertain, like how do we do ministry when things are changing so rapidly? Uh, we've experienced that in Jordan as well. We've had to do a lot move to online stuff, doing our English classes via Zoom, uh, doing an interfaith dialogue group over Zoom, uh, and that just creates limitations. You know, people get tired of uh, online stuff after a while. So uh, it's been a challenging time, I think, and just, you know, in many ways, we can all kind of identify with this together. We're all kind of going through this together and figuring out what does ministry look like uh, with ever-changing kind of regulations and stuff. So it's been challenging. So with um, moving to online and doing all of that different things, is has connectivity been much of an issue for you being in Jordan? Or I mean, in terms of bandwidth and stuff? Ban just with internet and stuff. Because, I mean, when we think, you know, here in the States of overseas missionaries, a lot of times what we think of is these third world countries that are suffering to even just feed. But what feed themselves, but what about with uh, where you guys are located? Yeah, we're fortunate that we do have fa fairly good connectivity in, in the country of Jordan. Uh, we're fairly modern in that respect. They have fairly high bandwidth, and we're able to do most things online. Um, yeah, the bigger challenge is security. We do have to worry a little bit more about security when you're on uh, online like that. You don't know who could be popping on or who could be listening in. Uh, so for even our underground church, that has been a concern. How do we connect? We can't connect physically, but how do we connect in a way that we don't have to worry about somebody listening in uh, who shouldn't be listening in? Uh, so that's always a concern, uh, but we are blessed in that we live in a country where connectivity is relatively good. So you were mentioning different Alliance missionaries and stuff. With the Alliance and just kind of with how it works, and so are you guys Alliance missionaries, are they connected with each other? Is there, how does, how does that end up working in that sense? Yeah, for the most part, we're connect, connected with each other. One of the challenges has been travel has is, is decreased substantially. Again, kind of like oh, I'm sure many of you have experienced, uh, people aren't able to get out very much, nor are they allowed to go visit other people very much. So if you're a part of a team, you're able to connect usually with the people locally that you're, that you're in partnership with and working together with. Uh, but getting out or even getting home for Christmas or going to visit family, uh, those sorts of things have become really, really difficult. Uh, so I think people do feel increasing senses of isolation. Uh, feeling just far away, even from their home churches and things like that. There's just not as much cross-traffic, people coming or visiting or them being able to go back or even visiting other people around. And that, that's been really challenging, for sure. How has it been for you and your family? I know that you guys were supposed to be in Jordan now. You had mentioned that, but you guys are back here, and I'm sure you're working closely with them on things. But how has that been for you guys, family? Yeah, the uncertainty has been hard. I'm just trying to decide what's the right thing relative to our whole family. How do we decide, you know, whether we should leave in the middle of the semester, take the uproot the kids, and transition overseas again? Uh, what does it look like schooling-wise? Now we know we're going back to school, and it's probably going to be all online school. Uh, right now, two of my kids are on in-person school in the state of Georgia. They have that option, uh, so they've been enjoying that. Uh, but trying to transition back to uh, mostly all of them online and then factoring how do we do that if there's an Arabic component involved, if they're learning in Arabic and on Zoom and how's that all going to work and uh, we don't have it all figured out quite honestly. We're still trying to, we got in about three more weeks to figure it all out, piece it all together. Uh, but the uncertainty is hard, uh, but I think at the same time we've really experienced God's grace and uh, blessing with us as well and see how he's going ahead of us and that's really encouraged us. Um, is there, so when, in the sense of need, you know, you guys as a family, you guys as a, um, as missionaries, the people that you support and, you know, work with as well in Jordan, what would you say the biggest need is right now for you? Uh, I think just uh, praying for us, uh, connecting with us, uh, staying involved with us, uh, keeping up with us. I think, uh, like I said, most people are, inc are inc increasingly feeling senses of isolation. And as we go back and look at this transition period, uh, I'll be honest with you, I'm a, I'm a little bit apprehensive about it. There's a lot of things that kind of have to fall in place for us to be able to make it back to Jordan on January 4th. Uh, we have to have negative COVID tests before we go. Uh, there's six of us, and we have to get all these negative COVID tests right around the, the first of the year when everyone's not wanting to do anything like that. Uh, and then we arrive in Jordan, they give us an, a test, and we have to, hopefully that's negative, and then we have to quarantine for seven days. And I'm a little apprehensive. If one of us turns up positive for some reason, do we, or is the government going to force us to go to a hospital? I don't know what that's going to look like. Um, and then just transitioning back and trying to reset up a house in, in the midst of all this is going to be challenging as well. So kids going to new schools. I mean, there's just so many pieces that I'm a little bit apprehensive about, but I think it's just an opportunity for us to, you know, again, commit those things to the Lord and trust, uh, trust him. So please be praying for us and, and uh, you know, shoot us an email and keep up with us and just, uh, uh, yeah, just let us know you're thinking about us. That means a lot to us. Yeah, I think for us as a church, it's, you know, prayer is definitely something that um, is one of the biggest needs with things. And we oftentimes think that, at least I know for me personally, um, it's just the finances, the finances of things, you know, that's, 
that's the best way to be able to support, and that's a large aspect of it. I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, that's a large aspect of it, but the prayer aspect of it is something that is needed as well. You know, us as a local church, but also, you know, for you guys in Jordan or for, um, you know, different missionaries that we support and things, prayer is more powerful than anything that we can do. And so I think that, you know, we want to be able to partner with you in that in prayer to make sure that you and your family are safe and secure in all of this and that just God is <laughs> paving the way for you. I know that it's been a little bit of a struggle with being back and forth on it. And um, I, I don't know if you got, some of you guys may remember Matt uh, was on a Zoom call with us um, back when we were doing the Wednesday night Zoom calls. And so he did a devotional for us. And so it was just a great opportunity for us to be able to connect. And I think that I know for us as a church, that was huge because, you know, we're able to now get this better connectivity and being able to reach out to different missionaries across the world and different things like that. Um, and so we really appreciate that with you guys. I know we also have the few gates that um, we support in Guadalajara, Mexico. And so, you know, we've kind of come behind, you know, you guys as well as a few gates to be able to continue our global missions and to continue to make our church more of an outreach-oriented church. And so, um, I know us as a church, we want to be able to partner with you guys and partner the church in that. Yeah, and thank you so much for that. Honestly, we see ourselves as an extension of the church here in the United States. I mean, we are representing you in the Middle East. Uh, so we can't do it without you praying for us, without you giving to the Great Commission Fund and giving to Alliance Missions, uh, supporting us. Those are all critical components, but it's really in partnership together that we're able to do what we do in the Middle East. So thank you for doing that. Thank you for partnering with us. Uh, thank you for praying for us and for keeping up with us. It really does mean a lot to us. Well, if you don't mind, I'd just like to kind of, before Pastor Carrier comes up, just pray over you and your family and stuff just about awesome. some of the uncertainty. Yeah, thank you. So if you guys will bow your heads with me. God, we come before you today, and we just first off, we just thank you for this opportunity to be more than the small church that we are, Lord. We thank you for the Claysons and the heart that you have given them and the passion that you have given them and where you have sent them, God. We pray for protection over their family. We pray that you would continue to just, in this time of uncertainty, give them comfort, God. As we've all experienced it, Lord, but even more so as, you know, kids are in different countries and they're trying to get back to Jordan, Lord. I just pray that you would just pave the path for them, God. You would allow them to know when the right time to go is and just allow them to just step by step open the doors for them as they continue on. God, I pray for the ministry that's going on there, Lord, that as online things continue to get wearisome, Lord, that you would just bring hope to the people there in Jordan and to the people in the Middle East, God, that you continue to work through the Claysons and what they are doing and continue to work through them as they go into this new role, Lord. I pray that as Matt and his family go into this new role, that you would just allow them to funnel through funnel through ministry, Lord, funnel through the people below them to be able to continue to disciple, and God, that you would just bless everything that they end up doing, Lord. I pray that for the financials, God, that that would not, not be a worry, a worry, Lord, that you would just bless them in that sense, that it would be an abundance of just an opportunity in front of them, and just them just being on go to be able to continue to figure out what more can we do, God. We just thank you for the Claysons, and just thank you for the opportunity to partner with them for the friendships that they have with people in this church, Lord. We pray that we as a church can continue to be for them, God, be there for them, God. God, I just pray again for the Claysons to be able to help them with their health, with this COVID journey, and just with the uncertainty, God, that you would pave the path for them and continue to bless them through this all. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you. Well, I do want to give a special encouragement to you to continue to come during the month of December and enjoy our Christmas services. And it was nice to have a good kickoff with the band and uh, the carols this morning. But uh, each of the next two Sundays, invite someone, bring someone. And whether you are online at home, truly socially distanced there, or you gather here with us in the back lot and venue B combined, uh, we want this to be not a month where we're just sort of enduring it, but we really are rejoicing and we're reaching out with the gospel, the good news of the Lord Jesus Christ. Christmas Eve service, um, 24th, 5 o'clock, 
We don't have special invites for you. You are the invite. So as you interact and mix with people during the course of these weeks, please extend that invitation. And uh, hopefully we will make it through this COVID journey, whether here or in the Middle East or around the world. God is not sweating this. You know that? He says, all right, I'm doing something. And one of these days, maybe on the other side, we will understand fully how God's used all of this. But we are at it. We are on it. And we are so thankful to be able to share this morning here in person, uh, especially in light of uh, the stay-at-home order that's going to be up the ante, I guess, tonight here in California with all that's going on. It is our understanding that we are good to go as a church still this month to be able to meet outdoors. And uh, we are going to continue on that path and continue to pray, actually. I really believe that some things are working themselves through the court system. And uh, at the Supreme Court level, a key decision was made last week. They also kicked a lower level decision back to some California courts this week. And so the, all the um, ins and outs, the fighting and what's fair and what's constitutional, that's going on behind the scenes. But I believe that some things are going to break for us and we're encouraged about that. In fact, I had the opportunity to be on a Zoom call this week with 100 people. I've never been on a Zoom call with 100 people. You have to flip the screens to see everybody, you know. But uh, it was a Zoom call with 100 people in ministry, pastors, and some lawyers that were unpacking the California decisions and what's appropriate, what we can do, all that's a part of that. And so I was really encouraged by what they were saying, even with some things as it relates to children's ministry and the possibility of us being able to get back up and get going in more of an organized fashion. But I need to let you know, I am impressed. I'm impressed by the turnout today, uh, both this direction down the back lot and this direction in uh, Venue B. And thank you very much for uh, staying with it. You know, when you when you when you look at the little uh, um, uh, thermostat stuff, or the you know what's the temperature outside, I'm going like, man, people are going to get up today and go. I think I'm just going to do the whole online thing. And so if that was you this morning, that's cool. I'm glad you're there with us online. Uh, especially if you're new, I had somebody this morning uh, email in and said, I've been watching online and uh, looking forward to coming sometime when you open back up. So uh, I am very grateful. We are very grateful. I know you are grateful for staying connected in the community of Christ. One of the greatest strengths of this church is our community and our love for one another. Someone said the other day, they say that our church is the Cheers Church. You know what that means? Some of you out of that area watching Cheers, not Friends, Cheers. Everybody wants to go where everybody knows your name, right? And so there's that personableness. Continue to reach out even after service to interact one with another. And uh, let's build the kingdom of God together as a church family. Matt and Rachel, thanks for coming today. We are so glad to have you and the girls here. Um, I'm not quite sure. I know it's a little bit more sunny here in Southern California than uh, where your camp there, but uh, uh, all the restaurants are closed here, so I, I don't know what you're going to do. <laughs> but we're glad that you're here, and it's so, so cool. Um, I was sitting there with that interview with Zach just thinking how cool it is that we, as the Awakening Church, you know our official name. Do you know what our official name is? The Awakening Church of the Christian and Missionary Alliance. So legally, that's the document. We are extended to a much larger church family around the world, and it's fun to be engaged in God's work and uh, to be able to support uh, people like Matt and Rachel. So today, we start our December series, but this is just an intro today. I want us to have communion today. And so we're going to be doing that First Sunday of the month has normally been our communion time. And so my words and us just launching this series are for the purpose of preparing our hearts to be able to remember the Lord in that defining moment that he had, that sacrament, before he went to the cross and was raised from the grave. Because we meet here together in person and through electronic means like online, but we meet here with Jesus himself. We have all the decisions going on with government heads, whether nationally, statewide, locally. But friends, our leader, our king, is the Lord Jesus Christ. And he is not absentee. He understands each of the dilemmas and the places that we're walking through in life and what's going on.
And as we gather around the Lord's table to have the bread and the cup and remember his broken body, to remember his shed blood, we meet with him in person. And so I want to turn our focus there, not only today, but for this Christmas season. That's why we've simply entitled it, You Shall Call Him Jesus. Jesus. He has a name. God Himself come in the flesh. He was given the name Jesus. In Hebrew, it was Yeshua. And they longed for the Messiah who would come, who would make all things right. Yeshua. It could also be really simply translated Joshua. It's a common name amongst the Jewish people at that time. I suppose it's like calling somebody John, right? Or Robert, a common name. But the historical significance of it in the prophecies and going back to the Old Testament was that there was this coming Messiah who would take all things and make them right. And a lot of what they're thinking was making them right in the political realm because they were under Roman oppression at the time that Christ was born. But Jesus came for a far greater reason to help our world than to establish an earthly reign. He will come again someday for the earthly reign. But he came the first time for something far more powerful to make that earthly reign possible. Uh, do you know anything about your name? Everybody ready? You're going to shout out your first name. One, two, three. Y'all have different names. Some of you have a few names that are the same. Do you know anything about your name? Does that mean anything to you? I mean, uh, you can, if you want to know, you can go to names.org online, and they have a whole encyclopedia of all the names and history, backgrounds, common uses. I went there yesterday to check out the name Carrie, K-E-R-R-Y. Carrie's always been a little bit confusing. How do you spell Carrie? Is that with a C and A-R-Y or Carrie? You know, I get a lot of mail that says Mrs. Carrie Bowman, right? I found out that the word Carrie, the name Carrie, is the 64th most popular unisex name. And that the name Carrie actually peaked in 1960. I was born in 1961, so it makes every bit of sense why my mother and father chose to name me Carrie, because it was more popular then than it is now. In fact, in 1961, when I was born, there were 2,000 uh, uh, babies in the States named Carrie, and there were 1,000 girls named Carrie. And then a few years later, it sort of switched around and Carrie was more of a female name than a boy name. And then when you sort of dive into the explanation of the word Carrie, it's like, well, maybe it's from Ireland. It's believed it's from Ireland and it possibly means gift of God. I'm like, well, that's pretty good, but they're really not sure about that. That's what one person said. Matthew truly means like gift of God. So that's cool. But there's the, the need to, to really dive in a little bit more. And so maybe it came from another... Um, area of Europe and and with that it was dark one I'm like oh that's not good <laughs> and then another one is just carry it's just a, a, a dairy cow I'm like well that's no good what does your name mean what does the name of your kids mean some of you are challenged in naming your kids, but I won't point you out. But uh, there's uh, others of us that, you know, that we really get into the, the kids' names kind of thing. And, and maybe you name your child when it's in the womb. Maybe the name of the child's already been picked, but you're like, okay, what are we going to name them? I always got really shook about this because it's so... Maybe it's because I had the name Carrie and he's a girl, boy, and how do you spell that? But when you name a baby, it's so like... Long term. I suppose they can change their name and some people do that, but they're, they're sort of stuck with it and they don't get to choose. That's their name forever kind of deal. 
I remember when we named our oldest, Ryan. And Ryan was, I guess, my wife and I were talking about last night, I guess I sort of had some favorability to Ryan. I, I knew someone who was Ryan. You never really want to name somebody, somebody that you know, because then you're thinking you're always going to think about them when you call your own kid's name. That's not true. Once your kid's born, that's who the person's name is, right? You don't even remember the other person. But, you know, Ryan was sort of, I guess, my direction. And then uh, when uh, Zachary was born, we were trying to decide a name on that. And uh, uh, my mom sort of threw out because because of a mentor in my life, Ravi Zacharias, says, well, why have you ever thought about the name Zacharias? And that's sort of how we got to Zachary. Um, uh, there was a chance that he was going to be a Caleb. And sometimes I think maybe we should have gone with the Caleb. But um, Zachary is what it is. And so he's run with that, except somewhere in high school, he chose on his own to reduce it to three letters, Z-A-C. So you just call him Zach now. And so uh, that was Zach's name. And when my wife found out that the third one was a boy, after having two boys, she said, I get two votes on this one. And she picked the name Levi. And then, of course, grace and the gift she is to us, the grace of God. That's her name. How did you pick your kid's name? How was your name picked? Why did God pick the name Jesus, Yeshua? Well, I want us to turn to scriptures and I want us to to read the account. And as we read this account, we will find that the name Jesus was divinely orchestrated. I believe from the beginning of time, but in the moment in time, 2000 years ago, we find this in the book of Matthew. Therefore, it comes from Isaiah 714, when the prophet was given the word that there would be a virgin who would conceive and give birth to a son and call his name Emmanuel. That comes back then 2,000 years later in Matthew 1, 18. This is how the birth of Jesus Christ came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. Can I just stop there for a second? Some of you know this, some of you don't. This is scandalous. It's scandalous that someone who was not only engaged, because during that time it was called the betrothal period, the parents would sort of arrange the marriage a little bit, pick it out, and then you were identified in a betrothal period really as husband and wife, but there was no intimate relationship. And you were preparing for the wedding, which would be like a year out. It was during this time that this news broke. Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together, she was found to be pregnant. Well, was there some funny stuff happening? Joseph knew. And the answer was, no, not with me. Because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to her, according to the law, and yet did not know, did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. Now the word divorce is able to be used there because the betrothal period in that time was as if they were married even though there was not any consummation of the marriage itself. And so when he found out, and you've got to understand this, if you were found to be pregnant before you were married, it was considered adultery if you were betrothed to one another. And so... Here she is in adultery. In the Old Testament, they would stone someone who was found in adultery. Now, that wasn't necessarily true at this particular time, but that's how heavy of an issue it was for a bride who was engaged before the wedding to be found with child. What was Joseph going to do? What was he going to do? But after he had considered this about divorcing her privately, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. So what happened in this regard? Mary had gone away 
uh, and had been in the first part of her pregnancy three months uh, with Elizabeth, a family member who was also pregnant, and she was going to give birth to John uh, the Baptist. And so she had been there, but then she was coming back to Nazareth, and Joseph had found this out. It hadn't gone public yet. He was trying to decide, what should I do in this situation? And he loved her, but he knew it was probably over. Now, he could stand up and he could declare it publicly, or he could go privately and divorce her and just sort of let the thing go away as it related to their relationship. And so he pondered what to do. But then his dream was interrupted by the angel of the Lord himself. Now, you don't find angels named too often in scriptures. You have Gabriel and Michael. Gabriel, uh, as depicted there on the skit guys thing, you know, was the angel that declared to the shepherds that the Messiah was born. So maybe it was Gabriel who came in this dream and worked with Joseph to wake him up and say, it's okay. She is pregnant by the Holy Spirit. Now, if that was told to you, if you were Joseph, you would go what? Yeah, right. That's a Wow, that's not even a big one. That's totally unbelievable. But he was a man of God. And he took that word from Gabriel, even with limited or no understanding. Friends, we don't even have an understanding of a virgin birth today. And we've got accustomed to it for 2,000 years celebrating the Virgin Mary giving birth to Christ child, right? And a lot of times Mary is upheld as, as a godly one that she was picked at a young age, as a teenager, to receive the Christ child. But friends, Joseph was a godly man to be able to walk this road. And so he listened to what the angel said, and he made the decision that he would not be afraid to own her and walk through this because there was something incredible going on. Verse 21 says, she will give birth to a son and you are to give him the name Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. God, what are you doing? I'm going to send my very son to help change the world and change lives. No way. What's his name? His name shall be called Jesus. Why? Because he will save the world. From all those crazy Romans and everything else going on like COVID and stuff. He will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. Going back to that Isaiah passage we mentioned. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son and you will call him the name Emmanuel. Which means God with us. Well, wait a second. In the Old Testament, that was the prophecy. God, why, why didn't you pick the name? I mean, you picked Jesus. Yeah, that, Joseph and the, and the same. And all, but... The prophecy was that he was to be called Emmanuel. Well, as we're going to see in this series, there's a lot of names for the Son of God. But a lot of them refer to the reference of title. But the personal name was to be the name Jesus. And that's how he's known today, is by his personal name, Jesus. Yeshua. When Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him and took Mary home as his wife. But he did not consummate their marriage until she gave birth to a son. And he, it was Joseph, who said, his name's going to be Jesus. Do you call him Jesus?
How do you use the name Jesus? Sometimes the name of Jesus isn't used in very good context these days, is it? But when you say the name Jesus, there should be, I believe, a sense of intimacy that's connected that way. I've thought about doing, and maybe I will do sometime, a series just simply entitled, Moving from God to Jesus. And the series would be about this. And please don't take me wrong in this. Almighty God, our everlasting Father, we pray to God, we talk about God, but do you know that God talk is much safer than Jesus talk? And sometimes I dial in with an individual. I'm not uh, measuring their spirituality necessarily, but it's just sort of their journey sometimes spiritually. Do you talk about Jesus or do you talk about uh, God? They won't even mention the name God, Yahweh. Jewish people are so reverent and awestruck and powerful that was. But the name Jesus was shared and talked about everywhere. Jesus, to me, is more of an intimate kind of relationship. I know him personally. You guys got to know Matt up here a little bit today. Do you know Matt personally? Could you, you know, you know tell us all of it? No, but you got to start to know him, Matt. But if you hung out with Matt and his wife Rachel and the girls this week, you would get to know them a little bit more, a little bit more. If you traveled to Jordan like the Axines did, Josh and Tiff did, you'd really get to know them. You'd get to ride around on camels, wouldn't you, Tiff? <laughs> you get to know people by spending time with them. And sometimes when I don't hear the name Jesus coming out, I wonder, do they really know Jesus or are they just into, oh God, I want you to know Jesus. You shall call him Jesus. Jesus. It's been 2,000 years since Jesus was born and he lived and he picked his disciples. He died. He was raised from the grave. He ascended to the heavens. He's coming back again. Friends, we will stand before Jesus someday. It's Jesus who says, welcome into my rest. It's Jesus who created the world. It's Jesus, the Son of God, who you are called to be in an intimate relationship with. I grew up with some different kinds of songs that had the name Jesus in them a lot, hymns. Maybe you might reckon with them or, or know some of them. Jesus, 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 sweetest name I know. Any of you know that one? You? Fills my every longing, keeps me singing as I go. Jesus, Jesus, I remember sitting with my family singing that hymn growing up. Jesus is the sweetest name I know. And he's just the same as his precious name. Oh, yes. And then Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. There's just something about that name. Master, Savior, Jesus, let all heaven and earth proclaim. Kings and kingdoms will all pass away, but there's something about that name. Do you do God talk or do you do Jesus talk? They're both fine. I'm just telling you, move from the God to the Jesus. It's an intimate relationship you have with Christ. And here's the God of the universe since his very son, God himself in human flesh. He announces it, born through the Virgin Mary. Shocking kind of news. But we stand 2,000 years on this side of being able to call him Jesus. So as we come to the communion table, I want you to come to the one who you get to call Jesus. And if you've never crossed the line of faith and repented of your sins and turned your life to be a follower of Jesus Christ, maybe this holiday season, maybe even today, is a chance for you to consider the route, the route and direction you're going to repent, turn from that direction, turn and become a Christ follower. And as you become a Christ follower, you'll get to know the Jesus. Not only just talking to him on stools, side by side, you get to talk to him in your spirit because he comes to dwell with you and you are never, ever alone. And this Jesus is always with you. And guess what? He's named Jesus for a reason. Why is he named Jesus? To deal with your sin problem and mine. To deal with the whole sin problem of the world. 
far more important than dealing with COVID. You might want to get a vaccine, but friends, the vaccine's only good for some physical kind of things. You need a Savior who forgives you of your sins and not only forgives you of your sins, but gives you power over sin in your life. You will call Him Jesus because He will save His people from their sin. So with that, you can pray where you're at now to invite Him into your life. Those of you who are followers of Jesus and you proclaim Him as Lord and Savior, we're going to gather around the Lord's table. So I'm going to invite Joe to come up with the band. We're going to sing a song as we prepare. On your way in, you would have received the the disposable cup and the wafer. If you don't have one of those, just raise your hands and uh, we'll pass them out to you to make sure that you have the ability to take communion. Communion, to remember the Lord's death and resurrection, is for the purpose of drawing you into intimacy with Him, but for the purpose of remembering what He did. The Apostle Paul later, who was Himself, he described as the chief of all sinners. Jesus met him, blinded him on a road to Damascus where he was about to persecute other Christians, Christ followers. And Jesus met Paul in an intimate way. And Paul said this to the Christians in Corinth. He said, the Lord Jesus on the night he was betrayed he took bread, and when he'd given thanks, he broke it. And he said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. But whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup like we're going to do right now, you proclaim the Lord's death until He comes. He wouldn't have been able to die for our sins and be raised from the grave and break the chains of Satan and bring forgiveness to you and give you power over sin if it wasn't that He came the first time. And that's what we celebrate this Advent season is the coming of God Himself in human flesh named Yeshua, Jesus, Messiah, Savior. And as you partake of your communion today in a transcendent kind of way, with the cup and with the bread, you are participating not only in remembrance of the death and the resurrection of Jesus, I believe you are participating in the kinship or the intimacy of knowing Jesus as if he was here in physical presence and he circled up his disciples and he broke the loaves and passed the cup. Friends, I trust that you have a relationship with Jesus that's a move towards the direction of intimacy. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. There's just something about that name. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Just the sweetest name I know. So in my more challenging dark times, I just reach out in prayer and I say, Jesus, I need you here. I know you're here, but I need your special presence. And I begin singing those songs with the name Jesus. You can prepare your hearts as we sing. We're going to sing a couple of verses. I want you to hold and we are going to take communion together. Both the cup and the bread. But prepare your hearts. Maybe there's something that stands between you and God that's happened recently. He came to deal with the sin problem. Don't dismiss it. Don't throw it under the rug. Don't try to say, oh, that's no problem. And people, everybody does it. Say, Jesus, I'm guilty of sin. Forgive me afresh and anew for how I've fallen in this way. And he braces you. May you find 
just in these quaint moments of communion, a beautiful transcendent connection with Jesus, the Messiah, the one who was sent to forgive us for our sin. Jesus, the one who was born of the Virgin Mary, that Joseph named and acknowledged through the prophecy of Isaiah and the pronouncement of Gabriel. May you find intimacy this Advent season with Jesus, the one whose name means Savior. night that he was betrayed, he took the bread and broke it and said, this is my body, which is broken for you. Take in remembrance of me. Take the bread. Lord Jesus, we come to you in remembrance of of your entrance into this world and the beautiful name of Jesus by which we know that we have one who has dealt through the cross and resurrection with our sin and the sin of the whole world. And so Jesus, we just thank you this morning. We thank you that we're able to come into your presence to be a disciple and a follower of yours. Lord, in this time of celebration this month concerning your birth, may there be a fresh new rebirth in our own lives of who you are. So, Lord, we do. We remember your broken body. Lord, we also remember your shed blood, which brought about a new covenant. Not one that establishes a relationship based on do's and don'ts or certain religious rituals, but one merely based upon our acceptance of that which you provided through your death and your resurrection, through your shed blood, a new covenant by which we enter through faith and faith alone. And so, Lord, through faith, we rejoice in the shed blood on our behalf. We take this in remembrance of you until you come again. May partake.
good to gather in remembrance of our Lord Jesus this morning. May it be a precious, precious month for you as you draw near to Him. Let's close out in singing. And following that, you're dismissed to go into the world, your particular world, COVID and all, to proclaim that the Messiah has come and His name is Jesus. season and beyond. And may we have more of you, Jesus. So Lord, we love you and we praise you. I say in your blessed and holy name. Amen. You guys are dismissed. If you don't remember anything for today, remember this. I love you. <laughs>